Welcome to this week's edition of the St. Paul Podcast. I'm Peter Marty, Senior Pastor of St. Paul Lutheran Church, located in the heart of Davenport, Iowa. Right here each week, you can hear a message to inspire your walk with God and hear beautiful music to fill your life. Let this podcast be your occasion to contemplate some of the deepest things in life, just as I hope it helps faith come alive for you. Pastor Sarah Olson Smith. What a blessing it is to be with you today. Today we will hear a parable of Jesus. Jesus loved to tell these teaching stories, stories that surprise us and help us think in new ways, stories that give us unexpected revelations 
and invite us to new ways of being. The story we hear today is about a rich man who sits inside his well-gated house with fancy food and beautiful clothes, while a poor man named Lazarus sits outside that gate, alone and hungry and ignored. Jesus invites us to think about our relationship with other people, but also our relationship with our resources. How might that relationship with our stuff, our wealth, pull us apart from one another? And what are ways that we might be reconnected and formed back together in relationship, into community? There's a whole lot in this wonderful parable. So as you listen, maybe you can close your eyes and let your imagination paint the pictures of this parable. Or if you are walking or driving, please keep your eyes open. But just imagine with your eyes wide open. So take in this story, this parable, from Luke, the 16th chapter. Jesus said, There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was being tormented, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. The rich man called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner evil things, but now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us a great chasm has been fixed, so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so, and no one can cross from there to us. So the rich man said, Then, Father, I beg you to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may warn them, so that they may also not come into this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. He said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. And here now are a few thoughts on this parable of Jesus. Fifteen years or so ago, maybe a little longer, a woman named Julia Dinsmore wrote a poem that I think, in some ways, changed the world. She was a poor, single mom in Duluth, Minnesota. At one point later, she playfully described her life as, she said, despite giving up poverty for Lent every year, its grip on me and mine has continued. She lived a lifetime of poverty, working hard to get enough food for her family and to pay the rent, while she fought for her neighbors, for her neighbors and kids to get access to 
have a bus to ride on cold Minnesota winter mornings for the sake and the well-being of her neighbors as well as her own children. In the midst of all this, she wrote poems and songs. And one of those poems has been shared and taught in many ways throughout these past decades. And this one sticks with me to this day. Here is some, expert, some excerpts from Julia Dinsmore's most famous poem, where she writes, My name is not those people. She writes, I am a loving woman, a mother in pain, giving birth to a future where my babies have the same chance to thrive as anyone. My name is not lazy, dependent, welfare mother. If the unwaged work of parenting, homemaking, community building was factored into the gross national product, my work would have untold value. My name is not ignorant, dumb, or uneducated. I live with an income of $621, with 169 in food stamps. Rent is $585, that leaves 36 to live on. I am such a genius at surviving that I could balance the state budget in an hour. She continues, before you give in to the urge to blame me, the blame that lets us go blind and unknowing, into the isolation that disconnects us. Take another look. Don't go away. For I am not the problem, but the solution. And my name is not those people. Julia Dinsmore's poem, 15 years later, still echoes with truth. Still today, many people live in poverty struggle to make ends meet, or just might seem different, and are labeled as those people when they are seen at all. They are simply seen as one defining part of themselves, homeless or poor or hungry, their very humanity disappearing under their circumstances, those circumstances becoming their whole of their identity, a whole lot like Lazarus. Like Julia Dinsmore's poem that still rings true 15 years after it is written, that parable of Jesus still rings true 2,000 years after he spoke those words. Sometimes it takes a lesson in history or an instruction in the Greek language to figure out what Jesus is talking about in his parables, stories about shepherds and lepers and wells and wine stewards but we are well familiar with someone exceedingly wealthy who has fancy clothes and feasts sumptuously while another someone sits outside their doors, wounded and starving and ignored. We recognize this because we see it in our own neighborhoods, know it from our own lives, read it in our own newspapers, the truth of Julia Dinsmore's poem still echoes today, as does Jesus' parable. When someone in this world dies of starvation every four seconds, when 1% of this world's population has 46% of our wealth, when it's harder and harder to find safe and affordable housing, and food is so expensive, and some people have so much that they can afford a trip to space for fun when there are still so many people in need, even as others have so much, 
this parable still feels as necessary as it did 2,000 years ago. The crazy thing, and I guess the ugly truth of our own humanity is that this message wasn't new for Jesus either. He was simply repeating those words of Moses and the prophets who have gone before him. They too needed to speak this message, reminding people of faith, of their obligation to care for the poor, to love their neighbor, to nurture the orphan, to give food to the hungry, to share of what abundance they had. We are, for generations, stuck in these circumstances, closed off behind these gates, caught up in cycles and systems. And the truth is, nobody wins in that parable. Lazarus suffered in this life, and the rich man suffers in the next. Whichever side of the gate we find ourselves, we are isolated and bound up by our circumstances in ways that cause diminishment for all of God's people. But this is not God's hope for us. Jesus is one who came so that all of us might know life and have it abundant. All people, now and for eternity, for all of the Lazaruses and all of the rich men and everyone else in between. Jesus said in that parable, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, the heroes of our faith, with their urgent messages for love and generosity, neither will they be convinced if someone rises from the dead. But thankfully, Jesus didn't take his own advice. Jesus did come back from the dead. Jesus died and rose again because the way things are is not the way things have to be. God has this undying hope that we can do and be better. In many ways, God is like this sort of heartsick teenager who just keeps on sending love letters and flowers and chocolates and teddy bears, refusing to stop trying to win over the heart of their beloved, unwilling to give up until the love they show is returned. God has been trying to get us to figure out this way of generous love for our neighbor since the beginning, speaking through Moses and the prophets. Still, God won't stop trying everything, including coming into this world, showing up in person with skin on. Jesus lived and died and rose again, ensuring eternal life for all of us, despite the many ways we mess things up but also so that we might discover this joy that can be all of ours, not just in the next life, but in this life too, if only we love like Jesus, especially loving those marginalized and forgotten people around us. Even though these words might nudge some of us with discomfort and challenge, this parable offers us an invitation to abundant life now, a way out of the stuckness on either side of that gate of breaking out of the circumstances that keep us apart, that divide us. And it comes from the small detail in the story that Jesus told. In this parable of the rich man, we hear that the rich man is nameless, but the poor man has a name, Lazarus. 
This is particularly interesting because generally it's the rich and the powerful whose names are remembered, etched into stone on buildings written into history books. But his name, Lazarus, is, he has a name, Lazarus. His name is not those people, it's Lazarus. He has a name, and so does every person on street corners and in refugee camps and in classrooms and in shelters. And we break out of, we begin to break out of those patterns that divide up the prisons of our own circumstances when we get to know a person beyond their situation, beyond their label. It is infinitely harder to dismiss someone or ignore them or forget those people when we see the humanity of another person, when we hear their stories. The way that we build this new way of being in the world, this kind of deep generosity and mutual transformation starts simply by getting to know another person's name. And not only is this transformative for the world, but there is such joy in it. While in a much different way, it is not just the poor man outside the gate that is suffering here. As Timothy says, that sometimes we are pierced by our pain and our greed and selfishness. All of us lose when we are separated and isolated. And that rich man in the parable had a name too. But we be, he became so defined by his circumstances that it was never known. The reading we heard from 1 Timothy reminds us that wealth itself is not evil. It's the love of money that gets us in trouble. When it becomes what defines us, what we live for, we are not made to love stuff. We are made to love God and to love other people. And when our stuff keeps us from loving others, it hurts not just those others, but ourselves too. We can discover this life that is really life, as Paul wrote, by finding our meaning beyond our circumstances, our joy beyond those things that can so quickly disappear, by knowing each other's names, by living gener generously, by building deep and abiding relationships, and stepping forward together in a shared future. I can say this because I have seen this life that is really life happen in and through the ministries and people of this congregation and in others around this world. In those moments when generosity transforms the recipient's life, but beautifully expands the giver's as well. It happens every other Tuesday at our Madison Market with our neighborhood school as hugs and stories are shared through car door windows as food is shared. It happens when relationships are formed between families and builders for habitat homes. When others in so many other places discover the joy and sharing and gifts of relationships. When others are seen and loved and supported when joys and sufferings are shared, when we leap, weep with one another and laugh together. At the end of that beautiful poem, Julia Dinsmore writes, she echoes the warnings of Lazarus. She says, before you give in to the urge to blame me, the blame that lets us go blind and unknowing into the isolation that disconnects us 
take another look. Don't go away. My name is not those people. Jesus offers this simple way that we can know life abundant. And it starts by getting to know one another's names, to claim our identity beyond our circumstances, to experience that life that is really life that comes through generosity and mutuality and community. Instead of blindness, we can see each other. Instead of the isolation that disconnects us, we can step into true community that unites us. Take another look. Don't go away. Our names are not those people. Amen.
Now we turn to God in prayer, saying those words Jesus taught us in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. And now, receive these words of blessing. May you remember that your most important name is Child of God. And that name not only can offer comfort and assurance in your belovedness, no matter what the world says, but also that name moves you to live with generosity and compassion, ready to build relationships and community with all of God's precious children. And the blessing of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always. Amen. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And thanks for your support of the ministries of St. Paul Lutheran Church. Our commitment to projects that lend hope to other people stretches across the country and around the world. We hope that in a good way you feel a part of that reach. Tune in next Thursday for another edition of the St. Paul Podcast.